Hello guys, welcome back to Daily Devo with Sarah. It's your host Sarah and I thank you guys for joining me and tuning in. So we're going to continue our quest on exploring the topic of wisdom using Tim and Kathy Keller's Devo, God's Wisdom for Navigating Life. I encouraged this on you guys yesterday, but if you are following along consistently and you want to be a little bit more engaged like personally, then go grab yourself a copy. I'm sure it'll get to your house from Amazon in like two days so this will allow you to visually see all the bible verses the input from the authors the question and prayer of the day to write before your eyes and then you can use the margins as we listen to the episode together to write down your own questions and points of reflection so that you can be a little bit more involved in this devo process so you know obviously you don't have to do it but you know if I were to be doing something consistently for the rest of the year, um, like this, you know, Devo journey that I'm on. It's a year thing. Um, I think that would be valuable. So I just want to extend that invitation to you guys. The link for the Devo book is in the bio. So check it out there if you want a direct link. Um, And I think at this point, as we move on, you are going to, you probably have noticed that every episode begins with some sort of a tangent. So this episode is no different. And I'm just going to make it official at this point that the first two, three minutes or more of my episode is going to be spent of me talking about something that has nothing to do with the episode because I realize it's just the kind of person that I am. Like even in conversations with friends or family in real life, um, rather than getting straight to like the purpose of the conversation or the meeting, I will talk about so many other things that carries zero relevance to the purpose of the conversation. And I need to do that. I feel the need to do that, like even on my episode, because I'll always have two, three thoughts or more, um, like rummaging, you know, around my head that I need to like express or get out of my head in order for me to be productive in the actual conversation that's supposed to happen. So I think that's why like I've been using like the couple beginning minutes as an outlet to clear my head a little bit. And so I don't know if you find them totally like irrelevant and not interesting, but you know, I hope you enjoy them. So today, my tangent of the day is how I fascinated myself the other day at school by subconsciously projecting my values in a relationship, romantic relationship with my students. And it's not a creepy like example, so relax. But basically the context is when it comes to like a romantic dating relationship, I really value the more like traditional values when it comes to gender roles. So little gestures like holding the door open for me and like pulling out the chair so that I can sit. And like when we're walking, you know, like being mindful of the sidewalk rule. And if you don't know (laughs) what that is, I'm sure you'll find it on Google if you're curious enough. And all that kind of stuff. Like it's not like you know, when a guy doesn't do that, I'm like, oh no, like this is not going to work out. But then I consider those things really, really important. And it's such like a green flag for me. So I'm a little bit more of a dinosaur in that sense when it comes to dating. And I feel like there are less and less dinosaurs in this generation <laughs> of millennials that I'm in. But whatever, um, I will find my guy one day who's like that. Um, and I basically projected that onto my kids when I pulled out my three kids, two of them 
third grade boys, one of them a kindergarten girl. And what I'll usually do is I'll pick them up from their different classes and then I'll bring them to my own classroom so that I'll spend half the period working with a kindergartner while the other two boys are on some online program and then swap that so that I get an opportunity as their teacher to give them lessons on a more like small group, individual, one-on-one -on -one level. And then while they're while I'm spending my time working with one group, like the other group can be not just sitting there staring at me teach, but like they can still do like a self-paced, some sort of online enrichment program. So that's how I run my class and I'll pick them up to do that. And then <laughs> yesterday what I did, and I did this all without knowing, and it's only when like I reflected on it and thought about it again, like later on, I realized what was happening. So um, when I like finish class i'll walk them back to their classroom just like how i picked them up in the beginning but then um this time i had the two boys sandwich the girl the kindergarten girl in the middle and i found myself saying boys have to protect girls and then um i made them like walk her to her classroom i mean it's on the way anyway it's not like i made them go out of their way but like i made them instead of going straight to their own classrooms like walk her and drop her off and then after she safely gets into the classroom they can go back to their own classroom and i thought it was like the cutest thing ever like watching them behind like from behind doing that and um like the little girl is like, oh, we'll call her Elizabeth. She's like really shy. So for her to like have these like opas looking after her, I thought it was like the cutest thing. And oh my gosh, I don't know if my supervisor heard this because he was behind me when I said, boys have to protect girls because I turned around because I heard some footsteps and then we made eye contact. But I don't know if I was like loud enough for him to have heard me, but he was smiling. So I don't know. <laughs> Did he hear me? And like, what are his thoughts? It's not like we debriefed on this. Um, but anyway, I just had to like share that because I surprised myself, honestly. And I was like, okay, that was a moment for me. <laughs> but you guys, it's the cutest thing. Like, Just imagine that in a school setting. You know what I mean? Okay, anyway, we're going to get started. So the topic of today is justice. It's do justice. That's the title. And the two verses that we're going off of today are from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 27 to 28. And the verses are, do not withhold good from those to whom it's due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to the neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Um, I'm just going to paraphrase this. It's don't be petty. Don't be cheap. Don't do messed up things. And I'm trying to think of <laughs> more formal expressions or words, but that's all I got right now. And I'm trying to think of a modern analogy. I always like to think of a modern analogy because that's how you make ancient texts a little bit, you know, more digestible. Um, so I guess a scenario that i'm generating in my brain at the moment is let's say that like okay you have a friend and while you guys were friends she borrowed no you borrowed a cardigan from her okay and then so now it's at your house let's say that you get into a fight though and you're not on talking terms so even with that situation you still owe her her cardigan back so she tries to like come over to your house to pick it up but then you keep on like saying no on the days that she's free and then you try to like make her come when she's like busy you know um 
I feel like that's the closest analogy I could think of. But it's kind of like exploitive, you know, because like, yeah, you are the one with the cardigan. Anyway, the sixth mark and means of wisdom in Proverbs of chapter three is a concern for justice. The good that we must give to our neighbor means practical aid for an economic or physical need. So let's just pause there because I'm stuck on the word our neighbor in that I wonder how intentional the authors were in author as in King Solomon using that particular one. Um, Like, you know, with any connotative meanings that we should consider, that's what I mean. But at least we know for sure that when it comes to neighbors, they can either be fabulous, you know, bringing us cookies every week, or they could be horrendous, like blaring their music at 2 a.m. Cough, cough, my neighbors. So, you know, I guess when we're reading this, we are including like the full spectrum of the good to the bad neighbor. And it's saying that, yeah, it's a must to give that kind of good and aid. It is striking that the text adds that this is not simply a matter of charity, but is your neighbor's due. So that rubs me in the wrong way immediately because we have this contrast between the word charity and due. And I think we have a contrast in those two words because those words are reflecting the type of attitude that people have when they commit like a benevolent act to somebody you know we probably think like as default um not that it's necessarily like bad that it is an act of charity you know like your coworker is you know emotionally struggling from having her dad who passed away and you go over to talk to her and give her like some comfort you know that's a charitable um like act you probably don't see that as a behavior that was like owed due to your coworker. And same thing for like, let's say that your friend is like in debt and she's asking you for money and you owe her, I mean, you give her um, like $2,000, you know? You probably see that as a charitable act. No good or bad connotations here, but you would just label that simply as a charitable act. But then it's, the sentence that we just read shifting that kind of mentality saying that the $2,000 was like owed. And so doesn't this like radicalize how you thought about your good behavior this whole time? Because that's what's happening in my mind right now. Um, To not care for them when they are in need is not merely a lack of charity. It is injustice. Put bluntly, if you have things your neighbor doesn't have, sharing them because he or she has a right to be part of the world over which God has made you a temporary steward. So yes, again, I'm just trying to make an analogy. And this one is like a real example where my neighbors upstairs can sometimes be a little bit inconsiderate. And this honestly, this problem has gotten so much better over the two years that I've been living in this particular apartment complex. But oh my goodness, like in the beginning when I first moved in, it was so bad. Like I think the they're big gamers and I think they're like a little bit older than me. And it's like a two, you know, it's like they're like a couple. And they're always like 
laughing so loud. I hear like explosions from upstairs because I guess they're playing violent games. And so I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Like the first like month, couple months, like I moved in. And literally at one point, I even called the police. Like it was bad. And then um, even with that, like I tried to be friendly about it so i would knock on their door i would ring their doorbell and when they didn't respond because they figured out it was me all the time i would leave them like a nice note and saying like hey you know if you could just be a little bit more mindful about the noise um at night like i'm a teacher i have to wake up really early in the morning i would really appreciate it no response you know um and then like even during holidays like i'm not trying to uh, like ask for praise but i just try to be kind so i left i would leave them like christmas like cookies like by their door and write them a little short merry christmas card you know they could still be blessed it's still the christmas spirit um but then oh my goodness i remember last year no honestly not even last year just a couple months ago i guess this time i was being too loud and so i you know, was just doing my own thing. I guess I was like having fun <laughs> that day at home. The girl comes downstairs and she starts pounding at my door. Um, and I was like, I had just gotten out of shower. So I was in the bathroom just like, you know, getting ready, washed up, blah, blah, blah. As in my face after doing my body, not to get technical, but. <laughs> um, and then she's like pounding at the door and i couldn't get out immediately to get the door because i like i said i just got out of the shower like i'm trying to like just dress myself here and like look not naked you know but then she goes i know you're in there and like i'm not gonna leave and i was like oh my gosh like this is literally a psycho and i wasn't gonna respond to that i just lowered the music a little bit and then i was gonna like proceed with my skincare but then she would not leave and she kept on like pounding at the door and i was like okay i think she's actually gonna break my door so let me just go put on a robe and respond to her right and then the second i opened the door she is literally screaming at my face i've never been screamed to my face before at least by a stranger um and she starts cursing at me saying that i'm being so effing loud and even though she has headphones on she can hear my music and she's going on and on and on and obviously that conversation did not well i was honestly just scared that i was dealing with a psycho even though i'm the type of person to stand up for myself so i was like okay i didn't know i was that loud i'm sorry and then like she felt better so she went upstairs but then i'm just trying to think okay like because neighbor was the context like if that girl you know she's still up there like if she ever is in need of something like let's say that she's like locked out of her house and i can and she doesn't have her phone but she needs to make a call to the emergency services for our apartment but i don't give her my phone um that's not just lack of charity that's injustice and to some degree, like, I think it would just morally be wrong to do if, say, like, I didn't offer her my phone to call or help out in that situation. But injustice, it's almost like, mm, feels a little strong. Um, at the same time, like, it's, you know, it's the part where, like, the authors were saying that, like, my help is, like, owed. It's not just a charity. It's, like, owed. It makes me think about generosity in a whole different perspective does it not and like it's because 
God has made me and you a temporary steward in this world. Um, so that just kind of shakes up everything I thought about generosity, you know? Anyway, John Calvin wrote, We are not to consider what men merit of themselves, but to look upon the image of God to which we owe all the honor and love, and you will say he has deserved something far different from me. Yet what has the Lord deserved? Verse 28 goes even further and tells us to not delay doing good. Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan from the book of Luke defines our neighbor as anyone we encounter who is in need. So yes, we have confirmed here, everyone, officially, that when we say neighbor, we are including everyone from amazing to terrible. So your best friend to the kind of neighbor that I told you I was dealing with, right? Um... And I want to revisit that Cal uh, John Calvin quote. We are not to consider what men merit to themselves, but to look upon the image of God. So this is like a complete perspective shift. When we commit any sort of benevolent, generous acts, we are not evaluating whether or like, you know, making a determination, the decision on like whether we assist or help out someone or not based on like how much we think they deserve. We don't assign, <clears throat> sorry, we don't assign like how much value a person has in order for them to receive assistance from us like that is actually the merit completely irrelevant it is god we need to focus on like we need to fixate our mind on god like we need to see the people who need help around us as god when we commit any sort of a charitable act and that probably sounds absurd <laughs> um I mean, for us Christians, like we probably have heard similar sermons encouraging this kind of a perspective um, on Sundays and like read Bible verses with it about this and stuff. But like to non-Christians who, you know, like are ex being exposed to this concept for the first time probably sounds a little bit crazy. But I think this kind of a perspective shift allows us to be more open, like not a little more but like a lot more open to you know like help out people that we don't want to to help out people who have done wrong against us you know people who might even ha have harmed us in the past right it is only when we not look at their own moral morality and behaviors but like transfer the image of god into those people's faces and bodies we can actually help you know um because our hearts are going to be stubborn they are not especially if they have been disappointed and hurt by certain people in the past not want to help not want to step in even though we can totally conveniently and very accessibly do that so i feel like this is almost like the ingredient that is a necessity in order for us to carry out what god wants for us to do which is to not help people based on whether we believe that they deserve our help or not but based on the fact that like everyone you know quote-unquote carries the image of god and we owe them that because we are stewards of god like i guess this is hard for some of us because this means that we have to surrender our personal feelings 
against you know that we might have against certain people and just honestly in complete humility treat people the way that jesus treated people um i mean think about the fact that jesus died on the cross for people who may not even like acknowledge him people who will never love him people who will like kill people who believe in him you know like jesus died for even them so with that being our model when we transfer jesus's face onto the people who we absolutely hate or just you know don't like in general um that is the only way we can actually carry out this command of god you know if you constantly think about how someone you don't like has hurt you then you're not going to be able to you know at least with a good attitude help out that person you know let alone like actually help um and i'm focusing specifically on like people who we don't like because obviously i don't even need to explain it's a given for us to help people we love you know like that brings us joy and like it's easy (laughs) um not that helping people you love too is easy all the time but you get the point i'm trying to make right so that's why i'm emphasizing like people we don't like because that's where the challenge comes in and yeah that challenge is even layered when we think about how you know that the fact that like god is telling us here that our help and love towards those people are owed not because they deserve it but because they are loved by god um it says as we continue if you are involved with your needy neighbors it will teach you wisdom are you i don't know if it's just me but that seems like a very oddly worded question so i'm not sure exactly what it is asking and because this is a monologue i can't ask anybody right now (laughs) um so yeah like even if you guys were to clarify it would have been you know after i put out this episode so that's kind of useless for me to ask but i guess this either calls for me to skip the question or answer it the best i can if you are involved with your needy neighbor involved what does that mean it will teach you wisdom okay is it just asking me like if i have an opportunity to help out a neighbor and i don't want to but i do it will teach me wisdom so is that something that i'm doing Mm, I guess if that is the question, then I guess because even when in the beginning, you know, not after that, like, screamo, like, incident, but before when, like, they were still being, like, really loud with the noise upstairs and not responding to my, like, ding dong and, like, my knocks, like, I you know, like I said, like would leave them like Christmas cookies, I would leave them gift cards. And when they got better, like I literally praised them. I said, thank you guys for being a little bit more considerate these days with the noise. And like, honestly, they didn't really make that much progress. But I was like, I could kill them with kindness. And (laughs) maybe the encouragement will make them like more motivated than me just telling them don't be loud. Um, yeah, I mean, that's not like totally charitable. So I don't want to like use that analogy to illustrate such a heavy point. But yeah, I mean, if you guys have like examples of this, please 
message me on Instagram so I could hear all about it. So the prayer for today is, Father, I live in the most competitive society ever, and so I guess fixated on what people, quote, merit of themselves. Let me remember that every human being, even the most flawed and broken, is of infinite value to you. Let me go beyond the platitudes to truly love my neighbors with worldly goods. Amen. I think honestly, that second last sentence just wraps up everything that we need to take away from this episode, which is, let me remember that every human being, even the most flawed and broken, is of infinite value to you, right? It's the same thing I was saying a couple minutes ago about how, you know, you cannot be generous in the way or to the level that God wants you to be if you don't take God's face and his characteristics and put them in the bodies and the faces of the people you don't want to help. Um, and it reminds me of another verse in the Bible where I think it's from the book of John, I could be wrong, where it says, we love because God loved us first. Something like that. Uh, very short, very pithy, but it really drives home the point that like we as human beings, as mortals, as creation, fallen creatures, creatures and creations of god like we cannot possibly love god first it's not even possible um so god loved us first and that when we receive his love we are able to um truly love other people around us you know in the to the fullest extent that love can go and i think it's such a radical idea to see that everyone every human being carries infinite value to god so that means everybody God values everyone the same. And I guess this is troubling to some of us because it's like, oh my gosh, does God literally see like equal amount of value in an innocent four-year-old girl versus Hitler? You know what I mean? And that's a very troubling thought, but I guess that's what it means. It does not mean that it probably worked out for Hitler for his, you know, eternal consequences which is a pretty big deal because yeah, like life on earth is short and you might've had fun doing whatever you did, but uh, he's probably not having fun downstairs. At the same time for all of us, like we have to wrestle with that. Like, oh my gosh, like is that what, is it so literal where it says in this prayer, let me remember that every human being, even the most flawed and broken is of infinite value to you because oh my goodness, like <laughs> I actually don't even know what to do with myself right now. Um, <laughs> Like, when I was just using my neighbors as like the worst example for this particular discussion, I mean, it was bad, but it wasn't like that bad. But then you bring in like Hitler. What are we doing? What are we talking about? I mean, what I can find comfort in is if I were to spend the rest of my life committing zero sin, not that it's possible, but here, just to drive up on point, like... I could spend the rest of my life being completely sinless versus spending the rest of my life committing all these crimes like homicide and robbery and whatever. Um, my value to God would remain the same and that's mind-boggling to me. And 
it's my best comforting and digestible takeaway from that prayer I just read. It's like troubling and comforting at the same time. I obviously don't think that prayer that we just read, that particular line, is saying that like one person is like less or more innocent and one person is less or more spiteful. I think when it just comes to our inherent value of how God sees us as his creation, that's the attitude that he has. You know, it's almost like regardless of our actions, of course, we will reap the eternal consequences um, in the future. Um, God will still, at least when we're on this earth, like see us with the same amount of value as everyone else. Like it's very fair game and clean slate. So what do you guys make of that? Um, I don't think like this meant to be like a big topic, but I was thrown off and I needed to elaborate and think out loud. So there are my thoughts and I would love to hear yours. How are you guys interpreting this? Please add your own insight. Um, I'm not like doing these episodes because I have the Bible figured out and because I know everything. So when I, I'm, you know, I'm just doing my Devo out loud. So when I come across certain conversation topics that are confusing or something that I can't understand fully on my own accurately i that's why i have you guys right so feel free to like message me with your own input on this because i think this could be a really fascinating conversation and a really meaningful and insightful one so let me close it there for today and then i will talk to you guys tomorrow i feel like you guys don't really listen on saturdays because it's the weekend it makes sense but i'll be faithful i'll be posting so engage with me stay with me um yeah but definitely do enjoy the rest of your friday and i will see you guys i mean talk to you guys tomorrow bye